This is the Employment Hour. Any time to get a hold of the hour, I'll give you the number right off the top. It is uh, 1-855-821-5900 and Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots to get through uh, this week. We're going to talk about the big mistakes that employers make uh, in all kinds of different facets when it comes to employment law. Email Lior anytime or call that number if you've got a severance package in front of you. You think, this is wrong. Is it too much? Is it too little? Well, it's not going to be too much. You can pretty much guarantee that one. Uh, we'll get to how you can calculate what the amount should be in just a little bit, but we always start with the week that was. That's right. And you know, it isn't actually an important week for the show, John, okay. simply because it's our three-year anniversary. Is it, it really? Not. It's insane. Wow. We've been doing now the show on Sundays for three years. Uh, it's really exciting. Uh, and you know, when I first started, I didn't know, you know, what, what's people's reaction going to be? Are people going to be interested? Are they going to listen? And you know, three there years later, we're going strong. Uh, people contact me all the time. They want to know more about their workplace rights. So I'm very happy to be back here and I'll do this for as long as people want to listen. And we're doing Wednesday nights too. So now we're doing right. twice a week. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know, Popular demand, so we're, we're, we're going to do it. Uh, and so for all those those listening to us for three years, thank you. For those listening to us for the first time, welcome. And we always like to start off with the week that was, talking about a couple of scenari- scenarios that I saw in the previous week. And uh, I think uh, there's some important lessons there to be learned by our audience. So the first one I'll talk to you about, John, involved a gentleman that had worked um, for a company as a sales agent, as an independent contractor. He started okay. working in 2003. Uh, and he had uh, a couple of companies he provided services for as a salesperson. I'm not going to tell you exactly what he yeah. was selling, not to identify anyone. In 2008, five years later, the company asked him to sign a contract uh, that provided for 60 days' notice of termination. They terminated him last week, and they said, well, as per the contract, we're going to give you 60 days' notice. Yep. You're done at the end of April, and, and that's that. Well, uh, I looked at the contract, and the first thing I said is this. Number one, because you signed this contract five years after you started working, you started in 2003, and you signed this in 2008, that contract is unenforceable. In fact, it's not even worth the paper it's written on. Uh, any contract like that that's signed after the person starts working, unenforceable. The second thing I told them is uh, you're actually not an independent contractor. You're not an employee either. You're a dependent right. contractor. Why? Because of the fact that he got most of his income from this one company, about 60% of his income, over $100,000 a year, he got from this one company. So that makes him a dependent contractor. He's connected to this company. He, a loss of this, uh, of this work will be significant to him. So what does that mean? That means that despite him signing a contract that says he can be let go on 60 days' notice, he actually is owed probably right around 15 months' pay. Wow. Uh, you know, at, at a six-figure salary, that's a lot of money. And it's, it's a common situation, John, when individuals are actually not uh, independent contractors or employees. So it's very important to understand that there's this in-between category called the dependent contractor. And a dependent contractor is going to get very similar severance, pretty much the same severance as an employee. So this person is not an employee, but he's a dependent contractor, and he's going to get 15 months severance instead of two months. Nice. Uh, and and uh, a lot of our listeners, trust me, are going to be in the exact same situation where they're not really independent contractors. So if you lost your job in a situation like that, you're not sure if you, you should be getting severance. Well, now you know. Now you know you need to call me. What else you got? Uh, second situation, very different. Uh, involved an individual that had worked for a company as a plant uh, supervisor, supervisor in a plant for about 14 years. For about uh, 12 and a half of those years, he was a great employee, 
Uh, he never had any problems, great perform- performance reviews, got pay raises, was even promoted a couple of times, no issues whatsoever. Well, about a year and a half uh, ago, he got a new manager, a new person there, and she decided to come in and, I guess, you know, implement her own way of sure. doing things. Fine. But all of a sudden, he went from be- being this great employee to just being uh, someone that apparently is no good. He kept getting warnings, verbal mm-hmm. warnings, written warnings. He got written up, performance issues time and time and time and time again. And until finally the company said, well, look at all these warnings we gave you over the last year and a half. Now we're going to let you go for cause. My view was you don't turn out to be just such a, a terrible employee over overnight. So we started a claim and we went to mediation and we resolved it. And at the mediation, the mediator himself said that the fact that you would company try to convince us that this person for 13 years or 12 and a half years, whatever it is, uh, was a, a great employee, no problem, and all of a sudden a switch flips, and now yeah. he's this horrible, crazy maniac uh, that 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 can't do his job. That's not credible. It's not believable. Clearly, what you were requiring him to do either was unreasonable, uh, or you weren't providing him with proper training, and then accusing him of not doing things correctly. And we ended up resolving this uh, settlement for this guy on the basis of 16 months' pay, wow. a really good result. And there's a very important lesson to be learned there for employers and employees. Now, to terminate for cause, you do have to paper the, the file and you need to have warnings and suspensions. But at some point, it really does become uh, o- overkill, over the top. It's one thing if the employer had two warnings. They say, well, you know, he had two incidents. But all of a sudden, they have like eight warnings right. in the span of a year and a half when they didn't have a single one for 13 years. It just it's not credible. So credibility is very important. Uh, and for this employee, even though he was let go, quote unquote, for cause, uh, he got his full severance. And of course, John, as you know, it is extremely difficult to terminate employment for cause. Uh, and in this situation, it simply didn't hold any water. Severancepaycalculator.com. So how do I know how much these people are owed? Exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, we've established that they're owed compensation, but how do we know how much compensation? Well, the severance calculator, very easy, uh, very easy address to remember, severancepaycalculator.com. You input the length of your employment, your age, and the type of job, and it's going to tell you right there how many weeks or months pay you are owed. Very easy to use, free. Anyone can use it. Uh, It's completely anonymous. Please use it. You should know how much you're owed, even if you just was wond- were wondering what would happen if a year from now they let me go. What would I get? Well, now you go to severancepaycalculator.com. It's going to tell you. It's accurate. It's free. Check it out. If you're an employer listening to this show uh, this afternoon, you'll want to catch this. The biggest mistakes that employers make, a list, a drop-down list is coming on the show. Lior will get and expand on each one of these points. In the meantime, the number is one 821 5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This is the Employment Hour on AM640 and AM900 CHML. The Employment Hour right here on AM640 and AM900 CHML, one 821 is the number to get a hold of Lior anytime. And Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll get to some emails throughout the uh, show today. But I mentioned this, the biggest mistakes that employers make. We'll start with this one. Don't properly deal with workplace harassment issues. Yeah, not only is this a common mistake, which is not, not uh, properly dealing with harassment, 
But it's also a very costly one no. uh, because an employer has a very strict legal duty. Uh, it's in the statute, and our courts have reinforced that. Whenever you're, you're, you're faced with a harassment complaint, with a workplace harassment situation, as the employer, you have to investigate that. You have to immediately uh, find out what happened and then take appropriate action to remedy the situation, whether it means disciplining someone, uh, providing you know, training, sensitivity training, people putting people in different locations, you have to deal with it. You have to take it seriously, and you can't penalize anyone from right. bringing a complaint. And employers often don't do that. Why? Because it's easier to ignore it. It's easier to sweep things under the rug uh, and, and not worry about it or assume that things are just going to resolve themselves. Well, guess what? They don't resolve themselves. And by not investigating, uh, well, you may end up uh, constructively dismissing an employee because an employee is subject to harassment. They tried to resolve it. Mm -hmm. You as the employer didn't do anything. Well, what can they do? They, they can leave and now make you pay them severance. Another thing that can happen, maybe depending on the nature of the harassment, there could be human rights violation that you as the employer didn't do anything about and then you as the employer become liable. Another consequence of that may be that the employee that's the, the subject of the harassment may now suffer medical issues, right. medical consequences. We've talked about that before on the show. Now you have an employee or several employees going on a medical leave of absence indefinitely and you're trying to run the business and that's going to cost you a lot of money, a lot of heartache. Uh, and all because, why? Because the employer didn't properly investigate the workplace harassment. That is a very, very, very big mistake. Uh, they, you have to take it seriously. There's financial penalties. There's other consequences. Uh, and an employee, if you're in a harassment situation, you should always try to resolve that internally. Try to speak to your, your boss or the HR person, the company owner, and see if that matter can be resolved internally. If that's not a possibility or you've tried to resolve it internally and you failed, nothing's done, you and I need to speak. Then the individual needs to call me. Uh, we, we, we can create an uh, action plan at that point. Don't just suffer there and assume that there's nothing you can do. Yes, there is something you can do, and employers have to deal with it. The biggest mistakes that employers make, and we talked about this, this is part of your uh, week that was in the first segment, that is have employees sign employment agreement after they start working. Huge, huge, huge mistake. And, it, it, you know, it, to me it's obvious, and it should be obvious, hopefully by now to our listeners, and that is this. An employment agreement to be enforceable has to be signed before the employee starts working. If it's signed after, it's unenforceable. And that's not a problem for the employee. Never is a problem for the employee. Huh. It's a problem for the employer. The employee usually doesn't want really to have the employment agreement enforceable because the employee has enough protections that are just available there in the law. The, the all, oftentimes, the employment agreement may take away those protections. So that's why the employee doesn't care. But the employer does care and should care. The only reason an employer is going to want an employment agreement be signed is because it benefits the employer. For sure. So if you're going to have a document signed that benefits you, you want to make it enforceable. And if you have someone sign it uh, after they start working, it's unenforceable. It's not worth the paper it's written on. Don't even bother at that point. Uh, and that applies whether or not the person signs it the day after they started working. It's unenforceable. Or like in the case that I talked about in the week there was when they started fi sign it five years after. It's unenforceable. So what does an employer do if they want to make it enforceable, even though the person has already started working? Yep. Well, they have to give them something in return. You have to give the employee something for signing. It could be, it could be a one-time signing bonus. It could be a pay raise, a promotion, an extra vacation, anything that the employee otherwise wouldn't get if not for the employment right. agreement. 
And if you do that and the employee signs, it's enforceable. So a lot of employers don't understand what I just said, and they may let someone go thinking, well, under the employment agreement, I only have to pay John four weeks' pay when I let him go, not understanding that that employment agreement may not be enforceable because you didn't sign it. It could be costly, very costly. It could cost them tens of thousands of dollars. So that is a very common and a very big mistake that employers make. one 821 5900 Lior at com. Talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make. How about this? Not accommodating employees' medical limitations. Yeah, and, uh, you know, employers do, oftentimes don't do that. And why don't they do that? They don't do that because it's not easy. Right. Uh, if an employee comes to the employer and says, "I, you know, for medical reasons, here's what my doctor says, I need to work modified hours, modified duties, it's not easy for the employer. The employer may say, well, that's going to cause a bit of a, a dilemma or a conflict in the workplace, so we don't want to do it. Well, guess what? Even if it does cause a problem, the employer still right. has to do it. Accommodation doesn't have to be easy. In fact, it's expected that it's not going to be easy, but the employer still has to accommodate. So that may mean giving the person a different job, uh, different hours, uh, moving them location, allowing them to work from home, getting them help to have someone help them do the work. It could be, you know, the list is really endless in terms of what the employer may have to do, and they have to do that even if it's difficult. And if they don't do that, if the employer, employer refuses to accommodate, that's a human rights violation. It's a violation of the human rights code. It's illegal. They may then owe the employee compensation. They may also be considered to have constructively dismissed the employee. So, uh, and, and that's just not a good place and also sends the wrong message that the employer doesn't care about the employee's health. From the employee standpoint, what you need is simply to provide your doctor with the doctor, uh, which are, sorry, provide your employer with the doctor's letter outlining what your limitations are. Once you do that, you then trigger the employer's duty to provide accommodation. We're talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make. The next one after the break. This is the uh, this is the grand poobah. This is the three strikes you're out one. This is the big one that you should never do if you're an employer. Wait around. You're going to want to listen to this one for sure. Don't ever make this mistake. In the meantime, the number is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the show coming up right here on Talk Radio AM six forty and AM nine hundred CHML. The Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML 1-855-821-5900. That is the number to get a hold of Lior. You can also email him, Lior at employmenthour.com. We uh, continue our conversation here of the biggest mistakes that employers make. This one, this one's a, a big bull of wrong, as we say. Could be the worst one of all. That is discipline or terminate the old pregnant employee. Yep, yep, yeah, and you know, I, I cringe when I hear that because I really believe, or you know, I would think that it, in this day and age, right, employers would know better. Uh, and sh- certainly, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's still one of the biggest, most common mistakes that employers make is that they uh, they discipline someone uh, when they're pregnant, they let them go, and here's the problem with doing that, John is that even if you have legitimate reasons as the employer to discipline someone or let them go, irrespective of the pregnancy, by doing that, you're almost going to be, it's almost going to be assumed that you're letting someone go because they're pregnant or disciplining them. And in fact, a lot of employers do uh, use discipline and termination as an excuse. 
they have a good employee, everything is going well. Uh, all of a sudden, the employee announces, good news, I'm pregnant, I'm going to be taking maternity leave. All of a sudden, she becomes a bad employee. Right. Now we're going to discipline her, how it's un- you know, unacceptable. And the employer tries really quickly to build a case and let them go before uh, before they, they take their leave. That's wrong. That's illegal. Uh, it's a violation of the Human Rights Code. It's a violation of the Employment Standards Act. It's just wrong. So employers shouldn't do that. Now, if you really have legitimate grounds to discipline or let someone go, you better have your ducks in a row. You better be able to prove that if it's challenged, if your decision is challenged, mm-hmm. that uh, that there was legitimate, that it, wasn't, that it was not motivated at all by pregnancy. My best advice, I've said this before, is you simply don't mess with a pregnant employee. Uh, you know, give them, cut them some slack, even though you may not otherwise want to cut them some slack. Don't put yourself as the employer in a situation where you're now, uh, you know, faced with a human rights violation or, or a human rights complaint. So employers get that wrong. There's no need for that. Uh, you know, let the person take the maternity leave, take them back to work when they come back. Those are your obligations. The law is the law. There's no exceptions. The biggest mistakes that employers make, how about, oh, you see this, how many, 300 times a day, offer inadequate severance. Yeah. And, and you know, this is probably- that's the crux of this entire show. That's what the show is <laughs> right. really about, John. And, and uh, you know, in the past, you know, I've talked about the biggest mistakes that employers make. In the past, it may actually not have been a mistake. Here's what I mean by that. In that, uh, in the past, if you let an employee go and you didn't pay them uh, another, uh, adequate severance- you could assume that they'll accept it because they don't know any better. You so you'd get away with it. Yep. So if, I guess if you got away with it, it's not a mistake. You've saved yourself some money. Well, I think those days are slowly going away. Uh, you know, and I, hopefully in large part to what we do on this show and you know the internet, people now are more informed. They're more aware of their legal rights. So employers can't just get away with paying someone pennies on the dollars and hoping they can get away with it, hoping that the employee is not going to know any better. And, you know, what you do in that situation, if you take an employee that's worked for you diligently uh, and then uh, you let them go and you pay them pennies on the dollar hoping to get away with it, well, guess what, John? You're, you're uh, throwing down the drain all the goodwill that was developed over the years. You then may be faced with a claim for wrongful dismissal. Why do that? And yeah. employers oftentimes may simply be ignorant themselves. So their mistake is not actually doing research and finding out how much compensation they owe the employee. An employer can also go to the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com, and find out how much they have to, uh, to, uh, to pay the employee. There really is no excuse right now for that mistake. Uh, you know, the law is pretty clear in what you have to pay an employee, and it's not a week's pay for every year, and it doesn't matter if you have a small payroll or a large payroll. You owe someone significant compensation, notice or severance, uh, if you let them go, and employers still get this wrong all the time. And you literally, I, I may have in a given week two, 300 people contacting me in, in that situation. They've been let go and they have not received proper severance. one 821 and Lior at com through email talking the biggest mistakes that employers make. Um, and this one, it's always a contentious issue when people call on the show as well. That's not paying overtime when they should be. Yeah. And you know, the mistake here is this. The mistake may be that an employer may have a policy that says to get paid overtime, uh, you have to get it approved. We have a policy that says, right. John, you're not allowed to work overtime unless we approve it. Uh, and the employee works overtime, and the employer is going to say, well, we didn't approve it, so I don't care if you worked the overtime. We're not going to pay it. Right. That's wrong. That's illegal, in fact. If the employee works the overtime, even if the employer didn't approve that overtime, the employer, employer has to pay it. 
Now, the fact that the employee worked overtime that wasn't approved may mean that the employer can discipline the employee for working unapproved hours, but the employer still has to pay the overtime. So, uh, and, and there's a the employers don't understand that. The other thing some employers don't understand is that they have to pay overtime even the salaried employees. So it's not just the hourly employees. Even if you have an employee that's on salary, unless they're a manager and they're then therefore exempt from overtime, you have to pay overtime for any hours worked over 44 hours a week. So many people don't get overtime when they should be. So many employers don't pay overtime when they should be paying. Uh, big mistake, and then there could be repercussions with the Ministry of Labor. That could be a constructive dismissal, a violation of the Employment Standards Act, a whole uh, whole mess. The most interesting one I think we kept for the end, that is the biggest mistakes that employers make. That is uh, don't enforce their own disciplinary policies. Yeah, and you know we, t- we talked about how difficult it is to terminate for cause. You need to really build up your case to have other discipline on file, uh, etc. Well, if you have your own disciplinary policy that says if we – if we uh, if you do something wrong, we're going to provide you a, a verbal warning, then a written warning, and then a suspension. And if you don't follow those, then guess what? You're probably not going to be able to fire someone for cause if you're the employer because you have a policy that says, here's how we're going to deal with you. Mm. And the employer doesn't deal with the person that way. Then that becomes uh, – that, that's just wrong. So if you have a policy, if you've bothered creating a policy about workplace conduct, about discipline – you should be following that policy. If you don't, uh, that's just an invitation for a claim for wrongful dismissal. one 821 and Lior at com. We'll kick off the next segment with an email. Lots more coming up here in the Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You can call any time to get a hold of Lior, and the email is Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And I'll get to an email as promised uh, when we came back. Joseph writes in, says, how much seven should I be getting? If I worked for a company for almost 20 years, but three years ago, I quit for a few months and then came back to work. You know, very, very interesting question. We talked a bit about uh, this scenario last week on the show. Uh, I, I would need to know a bit more from, from Joseph. But here's the thing. If, if you work for 20 years, but there is a gap somewhere there in, in between, depending on the length of the gap and depending on the circumstances that brought uh, you back to work, right. your full service may count. Specifically, if after you came back to work, they, they didn't treat you like a new employee, they didn't put the uh, probationary term, they paid you the same as what you were making before, they gave you the same amount of vacation as what you were making before. By doing that, the employer essentially recognizes past service. So if that's what happened to Joseph, he actually may be considered a 20-year employee, which means when we calculate his severance, he's going to get severance on the basis of 20 years. That may mean uh, 18 months, 20 months, 24 months pay, depending on his age and the type of job that he did. So uh, you know that's a very important issue because if that wasn't the case, he'd only be a three-year employee, right. which means he'd get a fraction of the severance. So I'd want Joseph to give me a call let me find out more about your job, about how you came about, uh, how you came back to work for the company three years ago. And on that basis, I can advise you if you should be a 20-year employee for severance purposes or a three-year employee. Talk a little bit about recruiting uh, employees. Now, what happens if an employee is recruited away from his job by another company, leaves and joins a new company, and then he's let go? You get emails about this all the time, Yeah, too. I do. Very, very common. We refer to that often as inducement. What that uh, the, the the way the scenario really works a common scenario is an employee's you know happily and gamefully uh, employed at another job at, at a job, 
and someone comes comes to them and tries to convince him to leave. Maybe it's a headhunter. Maybe it's a company that knows of the person. And they say, you know what? Wouldn't you want to rather work for this other company? You know, that's a good up-and-coming company. Maybe you'll make more money. And eventually, they convince the person to leave. So the person leaves, you know, in good faith and thinking this is going to be a great opportunity. They've made me all these nice promises. Mm-hmm. And things didn't work out. Uh, maybe a year, two years, whatever it is down the road, the person's let go. And then they're in a very difficult situation. They had a job previously. They left that job. And then shortly thereafter, they were let go. Uh, so what happens often in that situation, if the person is recruited from another job, they're entitled to enhanced severance. They're entitled to additional severance that essentially recognizes the service that they had with the previous company. It's very important. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, if you're only work for a company for a year, but you've been with the previous company for 20 years, you may now get severance as if you're a 21-year employee. That's very significant. So, uh, you know, you have to really be mindful of that. If you lost your job, were you recruited from another position or did you apply for a job? Obviously, if you apply for a job for a company and then they let you go, then whatever your previous employment uh, that you had won't count. But if they approached you, they came to you and they convinced you to leave uh, and then you were let go, guess what? You're, you're going to be entitled very likely to enhance severance. I had a case uh, just a few weeks ago that I resolved where the person had worked for a company for less than two years, but because he had worked with the previous company for over 10 years and he was recruited away, we got him over a year's severance. Wow. Uh, so very, very uh, important to look at that, and, and our, listeners, uh, our listeners should be very mindful of that if they're in that situation. You just said you got him severance, so how is that severance uh, you know, calculated from another job? So, you know, the, the main factors, as you, as you know, and our listeners hopefully know by now, when calculating severance is the length of employment, the person's age, and the type of job that they have. So one of the questions, one of the boxes we have to fill in is the length of service. So if you've been recruited away from another job, when we put that input, that number, the length of service, will simply also account for the length of service you had with the previous company, and that's going to be what your, cal- your severance is going to be entitled on, uh, based on, I should say. So length of service would account for previous service if you were recruited from a secure job. We're talking now one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred for a number and Lior at employmenthour.com for the email contact talking about recruiting. Uh, employees getting recruited by another company to uh, go to another place. So how can employees basically protect themselves uh, if they leave one company for another? The best way to protect yourself, if you're going to leave a secure job to join another job, uh, you want to have some form of job security because you left a job and you're starting a new job. Uh, you know, you're, you're not desperate to leave because you had a job, so you really have some negotiating yeah. power. The first thing you don't want to do is you don't want to agree to an employment agreement that has a probationary term. Why leave a secure job to start a new job where you're on probation? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, if they want you, then they should be willing to waive the probation. So that's a non-starter to me. You have to deal with that. The second thing you may want to do is you may want to have an agreement that guarantees you employment for a certain period of time. So, you know, a year, two years, five years, some, some, some guarantee, yeah. or potentially guarantee yourself a good severance uh, arrangement. So if we're letting you go, we'll pay you 18 months pay. Put that right in the contract so that you have certainty that if they do let you go, if things don't work out, you're going to get a certain amount of severance. You're not even going to have to fight for it. It's right there in your contract. So those are the best ways to protect yourself. Be very careful about the employment agreement. You don't want to leave a job to sign an unfavorable employment agreement that allows the company to let you go without severance or with minimal severance 
Why leave a secure job yeah. in order to have a job with no security? It doesn't make any sense. That's the employee. How does the employer protect themselves? Well, for an employer, it's very important. You know, the opposite applies. If you're uh, bringing someone from another company, uh, you, you don't know that person, obviously. You don't know if they're going to fit well within your organization. And if you need to let that person go as the employer, you don't want to be on the hook for their previous service and to have to pay them you know, a lot of severance. So if I'm advising the employer, I'm going to say the exact opposite of what I said a minute ago. You want to have the employee sign an employment agreement that does have a probationary term, that that does have a termination provision that allows you to let them go with little severance. Protect yourself that way. And the other thing I'll say for employers is if you're working with a headhunter and the headhunter brings you a candidate, you want to know if that uh, headhunter had to recruit the candidate away from another job. You don't want to find out that the the uh, headhunter recruited the candidate and you let them go a year later. Now you're stuck with their previous service. So find out, you know, was this a candidate that was unemployed looking for work or did the headhunter have to work hard to try to pry them away from another from position? From a 30-year career, Exactly. Right? You don't want to be signing up to that uh, if you're the employer, if you can avoid it. So those are the best way for employers to protect themselves if they bring someone in from another company. one 821 5900 and Lee or at com. Lots more of the show coming up. Stick around. We'll get to it right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. The number is one 821 5900 and Lee or at com through email. We'll get to one right now. So Sean says, I'm an office clerk and work for a construction company. Every year I get laid off in the winter and come back in the summer. Pretty common scenario. This year I have not been called back and my employer won't return my calls. What are my options? Well, you know, the fact that, you, that an employee uh, is laid off in the winter, comes back in the spring or summer, uh, and, you know, repeat, 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 that's what happens every time, that doesn't mean that they're not a regular employee. They're a regular employee. They just have certain months of the year that they work. Those yep. are the regular months. So if the employer now decides to, to change that, now the employee doesn't come back to work, then that's a termination. The employer may think, well, they went off in the winter and I just simply didn't hire them back, uh, so I don't owe them anything. No, that's not a hire back. That's like you know, like a teacher. You work certain amounts of the year. You don't right. get hired every single year in September. These are You just have certain time off. The same thing happens in this situation, very common in the construction industry. So if you have a regular job that's seasonal uh, and you've been doing that for a while and every year you come back to work right around the same time and... Now, now all of a sudden, the employer decides, no, you're not coming back. You've just been terminated. You are owed severance. You are owed full severance. It doesn't matter that your employment was seasonal. So seasonal employees, uh, like, like the email that we just got, are entitled to severance based on their age, position, and length of employment. You can always use the severance calculator to find out exactly how much you're owed. So remember, seasonal employees get severance. We talk about this all the time in the show, and the, the, the term is working notice. What is working notice? Yeah, and we talk oftentimes about termination and severance. And when we talk about severance, we're talking about the amount of payment that the employer has to pay the employee if the employee is let go. But there's a way for the employer to meet its obligations without actually paying severance. And that's what we call working notice. Working notice, is, as the name suggests, is simply a situation where the employer tells the employee in advance that their employment is going to be terminated. So employee, I am telling you now that five months from now, I am letting you go. I am now giving you five months notice. Working notice, because you're going to continue working, yep. uh, that in five months you don't have a job. Now, why is that important? It's important because those five months, the employee has to continue working, and those five months 
count towards severance. Okay. okay, it's very important. So if you're owed eight months severance, but the employer's already given you five months pay, John, then guess what? They only have to pay on another three months pay. Any working notice counts towards severance. Is it legal? Yeah, it is legal. And a lot of employees are, are could get upset because, let, let's face it, if you're going to lose your job, you'd rather get paid severance and not have to work out your for severance. Sure. For sure. I, I'd rather get paid for not working than get paid for working. So a lot of people think, well, you know, can they do that to me? Yes, they can. An employer can require you, quote unquote, to work out your severance. They can give you advance notice of the termination. Now, the good news is, I guess, for employees that a lot of employers simply don't like doing that. They don't want to. They don't want to. Right. And if I'm going to tell an employee that I'm letting them go, but you know, eight months from now, they may not work very hard. They may just be a grumpy person in the workplace. It may just not be a good thing, good thing to have around in my office for the next eight months. So working notice doesn't happen a ton. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen, and it is legal. Does that, is there any additional severance at the end of it? So depending on the amount of severance that the person is owed, there may well be. So- you know, first of all, we assess how many months severance the person gets by looking at their age, position, and length of employment. You can go to the severance calculator, severancepaycalculator.com. And let's say for you, you've worked for the company for six years, you're the plant manager, and mm-hmm. you're 50 years old, and let's assume for you that's nine months, nine months severance. If your employer gives you four months notice, that means that they have to pay you another five months pay. Got that up to nine. End. Four and five yeah. is nine. If they were to give you two months notice, then you'd get seven if they give you, et cetera. If they give you nine months notice, then potentially you wouldn't be owed anything. So the first step is always to determine how many months pay or notice the person is owed. And then we can compare that to the severance that they've actually, or to the notice that they've actually been offered. Uh, and so in many situations, if the person was provided a notice and then was not topped up with severance at the, at the back end of it, they could be wrongfully dismissed. How much severance, or not severance rather, how much notice should an employer realistically be giving an employee? I can't see them doing 10 months or a year. It's, it's you know, too much. I, I've seen as much as uh, two years' notice been provided. <laughs> oh, wow. Absolutely. You know, if someone's owed two months, two, sorry, two years' severance, the employer may say, well, we, we trust this employee. You know, they're not going to you know, do anything to hurt the business. So let's get something in return for paying them. Let's make them work for the next two years. Uh, and not have to pay them severance. So I've seen that. That's not common. Usually, if the employer does provide for working notice, usually it's only a few weeks, up to maybe a couple of months. Uh, but there are situations when the employer provides uh, more uh, notice. And like I said, is it legal? Yeah. Is it something that the employee wants? Probably not. Is there a chance that that employer, that that particular case, was hoping that this person would quit before that time came? Yeah, you know, probably. Right? And, and, and then owe them nothing because they owe quit? Owe them nothing because they quit. I've yeah. even seen situations, and I've done this before as well, where the employer pre- presents an option. So, employee, uh, w- we know we owe you 12 months. So, we're going to give you 12 months notice. We're going to give you 12 months working notice. Uh, or, that's option one. Option B is you leave now and we'll pay you for six months. Right. And so... It's up to you. If you want your full 12 months, you have to work for it. Or you can leave today and get six months. And the employee may think, well, you know what? Six months for not having to work is better than 12 months having to work. And they may end up accepting that, that severance. And look for a gig in the meantime. And exactly. Yeah. So sometimes an employer may actually be, may use that as leverage to try to get something and, 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 or to try to get the employee to accept less severance. Right. Can an employee finally be terminated for cause during that notice period? So uh, the, the short answer is yes, except the employer has to be very careful. If the employees are noticed and all of a sudden the employer terminates them for cause, 
the employer's action is going to be scrutinized quite a bit. The employer really would have to show that whatever the employee did during the working notice period, uh, it was really bad and objectively, you know, uh, it was a situation where they couldn't continue employing them. Uh, the, the standard is very, very high. So uh, in most cases, in my experience, when an employer tries to terminate for cause, whether that's during the working notice period or in any other period, uh, they pull the trigger on the termination for cause way before they should which makes it a wrongful dismissal. 1-855-821-5900 is the number to get a hold of Lior. 1-855-821-5900. And email is Lior at employmenthour.com. We'll get to an, e- uh, an email rather when we return after a short break on the Employment Hour. Right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Phone number 1-855-821-5900 and Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com to send an email. And get a response, ask your questions like Helen did, says I'm on long-term disability uh, but have recently been cut off by the insurance company. My employer is insisting that I come back to work, but I am still not well. What can I do? What are my options? Well, there's two issues here uh, for for Helen. The first one is actually being cut off by the insurance company. Uh, If she's not well, if she has a doctor says she cannot work yet, the insurance company should not be cutting her off the disability. Uh, remember, insurance companies are not in the business of paying. They're in the business of trying to avoid having to pay. And that's very often the case with disability insurance mm-hmm. where the employer cuts off the person way before they should. Uh, so that's number one. The first thing that we have to deal with that, and at my at my office and my firm, we deal with these issues all the time. Uh, my colleagues, uh, Sivan Tumarkin and, and his team, uh, represent individuals that have been cut off disability. They're quite good at this. They resolve these issues very, very quickly. So for Helen... Just on that alone, I would want you to contact me. I'll connect you with Sivan, and he'll help you deal with the insurance company, and let's get them to reinstate you uh, on your disability benefits. That's number one. Now, with respect to your employer, if your employer is insisting now, now that you've been cut off probably improperly by the insurance company to, to come back to work, again, they can't do that. All your employer is allowed to know is that your doctor is saying that you cannot work. It doesn't matter what the insurance company says. What the insurance company says is between you and the insurance company. If you're provided, if you provided your employer with a doctor's note, and that doctor's note says, I'm Helen's doctor, I've examined Helen, and Helen cannot work right now, then that's it. The employer has to allow you time off. The employer cannot penalize you for not coming back to work. The employer cannot consider you as having resigned. <laughs> that is simply wrong. And if your employer, if you've done that, Helen, and your employer is still giving you a hard time, you need to call me right away. I promise you that I can get them off your back. And the employer, we've mentioned this before, uh, they have no business asking what the actual physical or mental problem is, correct? Exactly. The difference between prognosis and diagnosis. The employer is allowed to know the prognosis. In other words, what uh, how long you're going to be off work, what is the chances of, of coming back, what the limitations are. The employer is not allowed to know the diagnosis. They don't have a right to know what the medical condition is. Are you suffering from a broken arm or anxiety? It doesn't matter. They're not allowed to know that. The only thing the employer is allowed to know is that you cannot work and what your limitations are and what the time frame is for potentially coming back to work. That's it. Richard writes in and says, uh, do I have to accept a pay cut on a temporary basis? Yeah, and you know, uh, it does happen some, uh, sometimes. An employer may say, listen, we, we're not doing great right now. We want you to take a pay cut, and hopefully at some point in the near future we'll be able to bring it back up and, and, and compensate you. Uh, and the employee says, well, 
you know, it's temporary. Should I be accepting it? The answer is no, you shouldn't be accepting it or, or you certainly don't have the obligation to accept it. A temporary pay cut, even if it's temporary, is or can result in a constructive dismissal. It's a breach of the employment agreement. The employer does not have a right to, to reduce your pay. Uh, and by doing that, even if it's temporary, if, it, if it's temporary, you can choose to uh, not accept it. And if they force it on you, you can leave and get the company to pay you your full severance. It's constructive dismissal. If you're inclined to cooperate with your employer, okay, if you're going to say, well, I'll be a, a team player, but here's what you do in that situation. I'd want you to have an agreement signed that confirms that it's only temporary and confirms when your pay increase is going to come back, when they're going to increase your pay. Mm-hmm. So if they say we expect that to be three months, that's worth nothing to me unless they're willing to put that on a piece of paper nice. and say three months from now in, on June 1st, uh, we're going to increase your pay. If they could do that, and if you're willing to uh, to bear it, fine. The problem with just accepting a pay cut like that is you give the right to the employer to do it again and again and again. So today they may cut your pay by 10%. You're not happy. You let them get away with it. Well, next month they may do it again and be 20%. And at that point, there's nothing you can do because you let them get away with it the first time. So a pay cut is something you have to be very careful about. You can't just ignore it. You can't just accept it. Sometimes it's better to leave and get severance than to create that precedent and give the employer the power to make your your pay or reduce your pay again and again and again. If you get that signed document with the end date, at end date meaning the time your pay goes back to what it was, does that give them the right to do it again or that only the one time? If it's that one time, if it says we're going to reduce your pay temporarily for this period of time only and then we'll uh, move it back up, then that's okay. If it happened one time and there's an agreement and they increase it back, I'd be comfortable with that. Uh, but certainly, it's easy for me to say I'm not the one that has to take the pay cut. Right. If the person can live with that, fine. But they certainly don't have to live with that, John. Any pay cut, you know, I'm not talking about you know a couple bucks, uh, you know, a week. But if it's something more significant than that, the, that pay cut could be a constructive dismissal. The employee does not have to accept it. Severance pay calculator. One more time before yeah, we wrap. Yeah, last time before we wrap. For those that haven't uh, heard us before. Uh, the severance calculator is a tool that I created uh, about two and a half years ago now, shortly after we started this show, that outlines or, or calculates how much severance, how much compensation someone is owed. And by the way, let's make it clear, everyone is owed severance. So you may think, well, I don't qualify for severance. I shouldn't be using the severance calculator. No, no. Who is entitled to severance if you lost your job? If you lost your job, you're owed severance. So if you're wondering, should you use the severance calculator? The only thing you have to ask yourself is, did I lose my job? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, you can use the severance calculator at severancepaycalculator.com. Find out exactly how much you're owed. It's free. It's easy. And if you want to contact me, you can press the green button on the calculator, and it's going to send me an email on your behalf. You don't have to. It's otherwise completely anonymous. So everyone should go to severancepaycalculator.com. And if the number looks surprising, don't be surprised. It's right. It's what it should be because you haven't been listening to this show long enough. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. right. That's, hopefully by now people won't be surprised, but those numbers are accurate. Uh, check it out. For, uh, for now, the number uh, to get a hold of us or get a hold of Lior anyway until the next time we're on the air, one 821 5900 The email is Lior at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.